This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women, my new book, is now available everywhere books are sold. Have you been physically or spiritually absent from your faith or just want to find a deeper relationship with God? Whether it's been apathy or pandemic or busyness or a past hurt that took you away from church and faith community, it's time to reclaim this part of your life. In Reason to Return, I help you bypass the obligations of religion and dive deeper into a more satisfying life in Jesus. Let's reignite your faith move closer to God for the best life that God has for you. The church of your past doesn't have to be the church of your future, and the best part of your faith is in the future. I hope you'll join me and grab a copy of Reason to Return today. Hey friends, and welcome to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica Anderson. I'm a Christian freelance writer, mom of two littles, and I'm passionate about helping you live out your best and deepest faith in everyday life. On this podcast, you'll hear from inspiring women, moms, and ministry leaders, authors, and more. Those on mission for God with a message to inspire you in your Christian walk, wherever that may be. Each month, I send out interviews, tips, book reviews, and exclusive giveaways to my email list. If you'd like to receive these things, just head to my website, ericaanderson.com, and sign up. Well, hey, everyone. Um, We are talking today with Dr. Julie Slattery. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about your background, what you do, and how you got into the field of work that you're in? Yeah. So my background is I'm a clinical psychologist from the time I was a young adult, just loved helping people make sense of life and, um, and take biblical principles and apply those to relationships, marriage and family. So most of my background is I'm doing clinical work as well as ministry work just mostly women, helping women navigate life challenges. And then in 2008, I went out to focus on the family to work with them on their broadcast team and just ministry to women. And during that time, uh, I went through just a period of the Lord just really grabbing my heart and just seeking Him at a deeper, deeper level. And through that, He burdened my heart for sexual brokenness. And just, it seemed like everywhere I was looking, there are all these different iterations of sexual, sexual brokenness and confusion that the church was just skimming over. And so, um, that call and burden was so strong that I left focus and started the ministry authentic intimacy. Um, Linda Dillo co-founded it with me initially. And then for the last decade, it's just been a faith journey of really working on integrating biblical principles into every topic related to sexuality, which, as I think everybody knows, is quite a challenge in our day and age. So I'm not bored. But yes. Oh, my gosh. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and your latest book is called God, Sex, and Your Marriage. And so, but you have like several other books as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is number 12. Oh, my most gosh. Let's have on sex. So. Wow. That's really cool. That's amazing. Um, so when you were getting this calling or seeing this, what were some of the issues that were most prominent in your mind? Yeah, you know, I think there are the obvious uh, pain around things like sexual trauma, 
which in the research would suggest that about a third of women have experienced sexual trauma. So we're not talking about a few people. Um, so that that was certainly there uh, in many different forms, all the way to sex trafficking and and uh, working with women that were in the throes of recovering from that kind of trauma. And then, um, you know, just unhappiness and sex and marriage and not being able to enjoy sex, single struggling with what's the purpose of my sexual desire. God seems cruel to give me these desires and not let me walk them out. Um, struggles around sexual orientation as the LGBT conversation really began. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey and erotica mm -hmm. and pornography. Women starting to get addicted to pornography as well as dealing with, will I, I ever find a man who's not addicted to pornography? And um, what do I do if I find my husband looking at porn? So those are some of them. And I feel like in the church, first of all, we've kind of ignored those topics. And we when we have addressed them, we've put them in categories and said, well, you need this book or uh, this ministry might help you with this. But what I began to see is that this is all part of one big conversation and really one big issue that we're not talking about. We're not talking about biblical sexuality. We're not talking about God's heart for sexuality. We're not talking about the brokenness and where is God in the midst of that? So, and in the last decade, you can just think of everything that's happened with the Me Too movement and the Church Too movement and um, you know, more conversation around the purpose of gender and marriage. So it, it began with some of those questions, but it's just sort of continued to bubble up into what we see today. Yeah. Okay. So I've got a big question for you before mm -hmm. we move on to some of my other ones, but why did God create sex? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good question and a big question. You know, I didn't mention purity culture, which is another thing that has been very it was much. on, it's on my list. Don't worry. Yes. So, um, so this is the question that purity culture can never answer. Mm. And even when I ask people, Christian leaders, why do you think God created sex? They'll say, well, to make babies, you know, or, you know, for marriage. And those are true, but it's not the core reason. God created sex like he created everything else as a form of revelation. And so everything God created, he's revealing himself. And when you re we read the Bible, God is on every page of the Bible, pulling out physical things that he's created in our world to teach us about spiritual truths. And for some reason, we never connect this to our sexuality. I think many of us feel like Satan must have created it and God's somehow trying to redeem it instead of the other way around, mm -hmm. that God created it and Satan's trying to destroy it. But he created sex to be this, and not just sex, but our sexuality to be this physical, relational part of being human that reveals to us the nature of his covenant love. Mm. And um, and so we take a lot of time in our ministry unpacking that. What does that mean? How is that practical to marriage, to singleness, to brokenness? But uh, But until we really understand that, I feel like we're sort of swatting at symptoms instead of really reclaiming that narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, so you've been doing this for how many years? Um, I've been doing this specific ministry for 10 years. So okay. I'd, writ I'd written on sex before that, but 
Um, I've been all in for a decade. <laughs> okay. Now, have you seen the narrative or the questions or what you're dealing with change over time, or has that really remained the same? Yeah, I think some of the questions have changed even in the span of a decade. So, uh, particularly within the church, because I think we're probably like a decade or so behind culture. Mm. But um, but we've really shifted from sort of a purity narrative of sexuality, which is sex is all about following the rules. God will get mad if you don't. You want to stay pure to more of a, a cultural narrative of sex is about fulfillment. It's about my personal identity. It's about my self-actualization. And we can obviously see that in the conversation like around LGBT and sexual identity, but I think we don't recognize it as easily in just the normal course of navigating sexual issues. Like, why wouldn't I sleep together with my boyfriend when we're not married? Like, what is what difference does it make? I want to try it out. This is self-exploration. Or even in marriage, I'm not sexually satisfied, therefore... Maybe I should get out of this marriage into another one because sexual satisfaction is so key in our mindset in terms mm. of what it means to be happy. Mm. So um, so even the church really is shifting from more of that purity mindset, which wasn't 100% healthy either, but now to a somehow we have to make the Bible relevant to our sexual journey in this culture, or we get rid of biblical teaching on sexuality because it just doesn't fit what makes us happy. Yeah, definitely. When so when church two happened, um, you know, did you seem to get was there a rise in interest in your work, or what did you kind of feel around that mm-hmm. time? Yeah, uh, I, I think the interest has been pretty steady and steadily increasing over the last decade, and there are all these touch points that will make people come to our ministry. So. It, Certainly church too, but, you know, also the Obergefell decision, you know, churches today trying to navigate the gender issues of, do we use the preferred pronouns and what about our bathrooms? And, and then just the pain that, that the average person is dealing with. Um, I think we're maybe one of the first Google results you get if you type in, I hate sex. So, uh, so just things like that, you know, again, women discovering pornography that their husbands are looking at or their kids are looking at. And so all those things, Christians are looking for a safe place that will deal with these issues and answer those kinds of questions. Do you feel like women specifically have had more trouble with this issue? Yes, I do. Okay. Why is that? Well, Women are far more complicated when it comes Mm -hmm. to sexuality. Uh, And I think there's complication in male sexuality that sometimes we overlook. But even when you look at the sexual response of the brain, the woman versus the man, hers is like two tracked. It's integrated into her identity and her emotions. She has to feel safe. And so every element of sexual um, wounding, confusion, is not just about behavior and action. It it drills deeply into her sense of self, her sense of connection. Uh, I also think that by and large, the purity culture put a lot of the onus on sexuality on women, not just before marriage to keep men pure with modesty and they have to set the boundaries. 
but also then within marriage. And they would take, uh, you know, a lot of Christian teaching will take 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and say, wives, it's your duty to have sex with your husband so that he doesn't look at porn or mm-hmm. he doesn't cheat. And so uh, even Christian women can feel very objectified within marriage and uh, and have an anger towards God of, I don't get this. Why have you created something that is supposed to be good for my husband, but represents emotional or even physical pain for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this idea of obligation sex is something that I've read about and heard about and been affected by personally. Yes. And mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, is that, do you find a lot when you're working with couples, maybe um, that a lot of Christian women sort of have that mentality and also do men, the husbands, do they also feel that that's true? Not really. And the thing is, is like, this isn't really their fault that they think this it's that this is what they were taught. Do you find that a lot? Yeah, I do. It's certainly not in every couple, but I think it depends on the teaching that they've received. And unfortunately in conservative Christian circles, this has been the narrative. And I remember as a young wife hearing this talked about over and over again, uh, and I felt that way. I thought that. And uh, I'd say it probably has only been within the last 15 years that I began to say, well, I think there's more to God's design for sex than this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there are an awful lot of women who who believe to be a faithful Christian wife means I can never say no to my husband. Or they have an underlying fear of if I'm not satisfying him, he's going to find it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so in terms of if we're talking about married couples, kind of talking a little bit more to the article that I'm working on, um, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like like the details and the and the whatever happens sex within marriage it has not been something that's really been talked about. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, and I say this because people that listen to my podcast already know this about me, is I always felt very alone and I didn't mm-hmm. know who to talk to or how to talk about things that I was struggling with. And do you see, do you find that to be true? Number one, but number two, do you find that to be changing? Is, are the conversations opening up to where married couples are saying, yeah, we do have this problem and we want to deal with it rather than just sort of burying it and never dealing with it. All right. Uh, so let me make sure I get all that. Sorry, I, I kind of yeah, threw so a lot at you. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, well, I can't remember the first part of the question. <laughs> Remind okay. me. Okay. So yeah. do you find that in the in the past and maybe even still, couple Christian couples really just don't talk about their sex sure. problems yeah. because yeah. they're embarrassed okay. or ashamed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. Yes. Um, that is so the case. And it's again, not just married couples, it's Christians in general. So like one of the things mm. that we do at almost every event is I'll do an, an hour live Q and a, and people can text anonymous questions in mm. whatever they want. And The first few times I did this, I was like, oh my goodness, there is so much pain in this room. Mm. And now it doesn't matter where I go. I know that there's that pain in the room and we get just hundreds of questions. And if you could see these questions, like you're looking around saying these people look really well put together. This is a great church, Um, but it's, it's epidemic. So, um, we don't talk about sex in general, and then we don't talk about it in marriage for a lot of reasons. 
Um, first of all, because nobody gives us the vocabulary. Mm. So um, who teaches you even what you're supposed to call your body parts in marriage? What's okay to say? How do you know how to initiate sex without being manipulative? How do you know how to say no? Now is not a good time without hurting your spouse's feelings. Uh, and so there's no language. There's no tools to have conversation. And then what makes it even worse is that sexuality is such a sensitive topic that it will it will trigger shame from the past. It will trigger insecurities, uh, our body insecurities, performance insecurities. And so anytime a couple tries to have a real conversation about sex, they're also aware that I could say something that could that could really shame my spouse or that could end up in a huge conflict. Mm -hmm. And I think most couples that have tried to do this do end up in that sort of conflict and they don't know where to go for help. So then they just bury the issues. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a huge problem. I still think it's a problem. I think it, by and large couples are more willing to talk about it, but the only places they know how to talk about it is in the therapy room because they don't know where else to get those kinds of resources. The number of women attending church has declined from 48% to just 31% in the past 10 years. When I heard this data, I was moved to understand who these women were, why this was happening, and how to remind them of the importance of faith community. I began to learn how many women want better relationships with God in the church, but feel barred by the tyranny of busyness, overwhelm, or negative experience in the past. In my new book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women, I dive into the meaning of the church, why it matters for women, why they are needed to make it complete. I spoke with countless women about their experiences leaving and returning to church and discussed my own stories of hurt and overcoming within faith community. From the damaging messages of purity culture to the sweet support I felt as I stopped drinking, I realized the church body is no perfect entity, but it is a place where God is present and has a place for you within it. You can pre-order my book, Reason to Return, Why Women Need the Church and the Church Needs Women, right now on Amazon, ChristianBook.com, or Barnes noble.com. How would you say, or maybe you have ideas on how do we make it a more open conversation where we are talking about it with friends or um, mm -hmm. just like outside of the therapy room? Because the therapy room may be somewhere that some people never go. Right. Yeah. Most people never go. And I think there is a need for therapy, but, but most of our discipleship should be happening in community, not in yeah. therapy. Mm -hmm. so, um, so a few things. And these are things, again, that our ministry is all about providing the kinds of resources that give you the language and give you the boundaries of what's okay to talk about. Because I think some people know what it feels like to be in a conversation about sex that goes off the rails. Either somebody overshares and it's awkward or it becomes jokey uh, and it becomes more like the world talks about sex. We become critical about our husbands or we're sharing things that just shouldn't be shared. And so the kind of resources we develop at Authentic Intimacy help people start small groups, for example, and go through Bible studies that are very honest and are going to deal with the real issues like how how does God feel about sex toys? Um, it's mm -hmm. masturbation a sin. Like these are the real things but do so in a way that uh, that is honoring to God, honoring to people, and also protects yourself from sharing things that maybe you wish you hadn't shared. 
Mm, yeah. Vulnerability hangovers. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think also that, you know, everyone has to feel like I'm not alone. So mm-hmm. somebody has to go first. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody has to be the first woman to say, I struggle with pornography. Mm-hmm. Or someone has to be the first man who says, I'm the guy that has a low sex drive. Like, I don't mm-hmm. fit the stereotype. Once people do that, then you, and then you start to realize we all have sexual brokenness. We all are struggling with these types of issues. And I'm not going to be judged. Uh, I'm not going to be rejected. And this is a safe place to begin processing some of the things I'm walking through. Do you think, because what I find is sometimes it's hard for men to understand the complications that women have around sex, like um, Mm -hmm. just having my own conversations and trying to explain it. And, you know, sometimes I feel like men are, I love men, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like they're a little entitled. um, And I feel like the culture has just trained them to think that they deserve this or whatever. Um, it, should we be finding ways to to educate our boys better? Yeah, you know, one thing that I realized when I started this ministry, and particularly over the last few years, as a lot of my speaking has been to men and women, growing up in the church, I never once, well, let me say this differently. Growing up in the church, I many, many, many times heard sex talked about from men, from preachers mm. and teachers. And I heard it talked about from women, but then I realized that my husband and other men had never heard it talked about from women. Yeah, that's such a great point. And so a man's view of sexuality is only informed by other men, particularly within the church setting. They're never hearing about it from a woman's perspective, except for perhaps their wives. Mm. And so I do think that uh, women need to be part of this conversation and not just teaching women but also teaching men, because what what I'm learning is that women see um, shades of sexuality and aspects of sexuality that men don't naturally see. And then when women invite them into that experience, like all of a sudden they start realizing their need for deeper intimacy and Mm -hmm. they begin to grow, but they're never going to get that kind of challenge from another man. That's so true. That's so why we need places and spaces where women are speaking to men. Like wherever you stand on the whole women pastor debate, like there's a place for this. And it's, this is one of the many reasons why I think it's so important to get, you know, women speaking in front of men on this. Um, So in terms of Christian marriages specifically, um, have you seen a change um, in the conversation? Like, I know it's hard because there's not a lot of data on this stuff because unless people are like just giving it to you, I don't know how many studies are done on sex within Christian marriages, but have you seen changes in like trends or conversations in inside of that? Yeah. So first of all, I would encourage you to check out a new book that's coming out by Shanti Feldhahn and Michael Seitzma because okay. they did like a great study on women on marriage and sexuality. So there is data there and they're doing a good job on that. Um, yeah, there are trends and you can see trends, particularly if you're in the spaces where people tell you what's really happening. So, um, so like, for example, the kinds of questions that are being asked at events or emailed into our website or even what you hear in the counseling room, you know, what's kind of bubbling up. 
I, I don't think the issues have changed dramatically. I think, number one, the issues are now more discussed than they ever were. Mm, number okay. two, I think some of the issues are getting worse, particularly the impact of pornography, as mm-hmm. that is just a given today. It's no longer, you know, do you look at pornography, but to what extent have you engaged with it? And is it impacting you? Um but I, I think another change is we're rethinking all of the categories of male, female, marriage, sexuality. And again, that's obviously happening in culture and it's happening in our youth groups. But we can't underestimate how those conversations are causing us to rethink marriage and sexuality. Mm. Uh, so that debate is not just for our kids, it's not just for what's happening in culture. It also is, it's shaping and it's pushing on some of the foundational assumptions that we've had about marriage and sexuality. And some of that is good and some of that is bad. And for those couples that you see that are talking about it more, which I'm glad to hear, are you seeing resolution? How are you seeing them work through it? Yeah, I think it depends on how they're talking about it. So uh, if they're just talking about it in terms of how do, how do we negotiate these differences, they may find that they don't know how to negotiate them. So, um, you know, and the, you can't underestimate the wounding. So take, for example, a situation where a woman has sexual trauma in her past and she wants nothing to do with sex. And the man is like, this is a huge part of marriage. I I want to love you well, but uh, I can't go years without sex. But every time he initiates, she's triggered. So Mm -hmm. as much as a couple talks about that, they're not going to be able to resolve that without some help from people that understand um, the impact of trauma, but also who can reframe for them their sexual journey. Mm -hmm. Um, Because with their current assumptions, they're at an impasse. And so talking about it isn't enough. You need the right guides, particularly if you're working through those kinds of difficulties to navigate how do we get towards true intimacy. Do you think there are enough guides out there, people like you, or do we need more for Christians? Oh, we totally need more. (laughs) That's what I figured. Yeah. So like a lot of our work now is actually trying to equip more people because uh, yes, counselors, but also women's ministry directors and pastors and people in college ministry. Like, I don't think we can talk about this enough. Um, is there a is there a movement or maybe something you guys are doing where you are reaching out to churches and being like, hey, you need this training because like this is going to come up and you need to be able to inform these people well. Yeah, we started a second website about three year, three years ago, sexualdiscipleship.com. Oh, cool. And that's only a a Christian leader website. So we have pastors, Christian counselors, people in college ministry, missionaries, all engaging on that website where we're training them in a model of sexual discipleship. What does it look like to disciple people in their sexuality? So, And and, and are you, um, have you been able to get that out in like a larger way, like partnering with like maybe focus on the family or anything like that? Yeah, we're doing some of that. We are a small ministry, so our marketing budget is pretty small. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like we we tested that website for a few years, and now we're doing a complete rebuild of it, which will be ready in January. And then we'll probably try to get the word out more. I think we have about 500 people engaging, like members on, on that mm-hmm. website now. 
And um, we also like, it's also for churches so they can buy a membership with so many seats in it mm. um, for their staff, volunteer. But we kind of have grown really grassroots. And so Authentic Intimacy has grown grassroots. And now we're hoping sexual discipleship will do the same. Oh my gosh, that seems so, so important. I am glad that I'm talking with you about it so we can get get the word out there on what you guys are doing. I feel like you know, that's one of the places that so many churches, especially smaller churches, probably are lacking yeah. in information and guidance. And um, and so I think that is super important. What would you say, I mean, would be the first steps that someone should take if they hear this interview and they're like, well, I feel like I'm broken and I don't know who to talk to or what to do. Like, what what should they do? Yeah, first of all, don't feel alone. I, you know, when I wrote a book a few years ago called Rethinking Sexuality. And one of the things I wrote about in that book, which really was an aha for me, is we are all sexually broken. And I think the purity culture made us think like some people are broken and the rest of us have it together. Mm-hmm. And um, this ministry has really showed me my own brokenness that I would have never recognized before. And so you are not alone. Uh, and the other thing I would I encourage you to do is come to a, a website like Authentic NOC. There's others, um, but join with Christians in community to say, what does wholeness even look like? And how do I start taking steps towards it? And it's a journey. Like we use the phrase sexual integrity instead of sexual purity, because purity makes us feel like you either are or you're not. Oh, it's if such we, a terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's the worst. It is. But if we're in Christ, we are pure. Right. Now, how do we live with integrity out of that? So mm-hmm. what does that mean for my wounds that I've never looked at? What does that mean for my shame? What does that mean for me as a single um as a married person, what does sexual integrity look like? And it's a journey. It's a journey of maturity. So, um, so like my encouragement would be, be on that journey of maturity and it ha- it's gotta be intentional. You know, one of the things that people are always asking me is how do I teach my kids about biblical sexuality? How do I help them navigate everything in our world? And the first thing I say is you can't give them what you don't have. And so a lot of us who grew up in a different culture are like, we don't know how to have these conversations. Well, we have to learn to have them first. We have to really feel like we have a grasp on God's heart for our sexuality. And then that can overflow onto our children's lives. Uh, And I was going to say, do you have any resources or recommendations for parents or for kids? Yeah, um, we have lots of recommendations for parents. You know, first of all, is to go through your own journey, um, sexual discipleship. And so uh, you could start with a book like Rethinking Sexuality. Uh, It depends on the age of the kids, but there are a lot of ministries that we partner with that some will tackle those younger ages, and uh, some of them are more in the teen culture. So one that I mentioned for teen culture that I love is Axis, A-X-I-S dot org. And they do a great job of creating like conversation kits, videos, uh, just summits, bringing in experts on not just sexuality, but everything in teen culture. Um, And then there are a lot of different curriculum that are helpful for the little ones. So 
Birds and Bees is one of them. Oh, that, I love them. Yeah. I follow them on yeah. Instagram. And Mama Bear Apologetics is great. Oh, yeah. I love them, yeah. too. <laughs> so, you got um, all my people. <laughs> yeah. So we we stay out of the actual parenting resources. We equip the parents and the leaders. And mm-hmm. then we, we partner with ministries that are doing the work for the kiddos. And are there any other, um, I guess, programs or maybe even books, people speaking on this that you would recommend? Just kind of if someone's looking for, I don't know, different resources and just want to kind of expand. Yeah. Um, would you, is there any particular area of sexuality? Because I feel like we do Gosh. the broad and we kind of do the broad and focus on women's issues and marriage. And then there's like pornography, there's the LGBT conversation, there's the sexual healing. Um, I think for this, maybe more, more for sex within marriage, maybe more women focused type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of our niche is, um, women sex within marriage. Um, so if you're looking, maybe maybe you're the only ones that are, that have that niche. Exactly. I'm a little, I'm a little biased towards our approach. Oh yes. Yes. And feel free. Don't, you don't have to bring up any, but I, but I will tell you like our job with Julie podcast is 90% me interviewing people. So there's all kinds of experts that I've learned from. Okay. What is your podcast called? Java with Julie. Java with Julie. Okay. So I've interviewed people on everything from marriage and sex to transgender to Mm. pornography to, you know, how the church needs to change singles culture. So Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of authors and speakers that I love that you'll find on that podcast. Okay. I'll check that out and and see what I can find. All right. Well, thank you so much for your insight and just everything that you have to say about this conversation, which I think is so important. And I always, whenever I talk about this or write about this, I get like more feedback than on anything else. So you know that people are super interested. And I think, you know, what I would like to do with these conversations is like give people permission to talk about it and be open about it. And, you know, just recognize that, like you said, they're not alone. I think that's the first step is just recognizing like you are not the only one that feels this way. And like you can find community, which I think is such an important part of healing and, and finding your way forward. Yeah, it really is. Um, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to share about it and let people know about it. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.